0: Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, team. If you're visiting with us, we have been going through a series on the Bible and the importance of the Word of God. And I was sharing a little bit last message about the illiteracy, biblical illiteracy, even in some churches. Well, today I'm going to start by telling you about confused information about the Bible. And it's a story about one of those small churches, country churches, where the church council actually interviews the prospective members. And so this candidate for membership came in front of the council, and the council asked him the question, what is your favorite book of the Bible? He said, the book of parables. Parables. A book of parables? Yep. He said, tell us about it. So that's how he went about it. This young man said, Once upon a time a man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell upon thieves. And the thorns grew up and choked that man. And he went on, and he did not have no money. And he met the queen of Sheba. And she gave that man, I mean, gave that man a thousand talents of gold and silver and a hundred changes of raiments. And when he was driving along under the fig tree, his hair caught in a limb. And he was left there hanging. He then hung there many days and many nights. And ravens brought him food to eat and water to drink. And one night, when he was just hanging there, his wife Dalila came along and cut his hair. And then he dropped and fell to, on a stony ground. And it rained for 40 days and 40 (laughs) nights. And he hid himself in a cave. And the man went out into the highways and the byways, and he compelled him to come in. And he went on and came to Jerusalem. And there he saw the Queen Jezebel sitting high on the window. And when she saw him, she laughed. So he said, throw her down out here. So they threw her down. And he said, throw her down again. And they threw her down again, 70 times seven. And the fragments they picked up were 12 baskets full. Now, whose wife shall she be in the day of judgment? Well, actually, the council members felt felt very disqualified, unqualified, to question this man's biblical knowledge, and he joined the church. (laughs) Well, before we dismiss, I know it's funny, but before we dismiss this, I wonder, this is me, just I wonder how many people who have a confused and fuzzy ideas about the Bible. I just wonder… How many people do not have a clue about the time sequence of the Bible? I wonder, I just wonder, I'm wondering aloud, how many people just take bits and pieces from the Bible here and there, and they throw them together, and they believe what they want to believe? In the next message, I'm going to show you how to study the Bible, the Word of God, in order to have an accurate picture of it, in order to… Uh, have the maximum impact on your life. But today, I want to tell you something. It is just may, and I'm just saying may, startle some of you. I know it's not all of you, that's for sure. But it may startle some of you. So listen carefully, please, because I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm going to say. And that's a mouthful. But I want to declare to you today that your respect for God can be measured by your respect for His Word. Let me repeat this. Your respect for God can be measured by your respect for His Word, the Bible. But then immediately I want to rush on and say, just in case somebody will misunderstand me, the Bible is not God. We do not worship a book. We do not worship the Bible. We worship a person, Jesus the Christ. As a matter of fact, I remember many years ago when I was helping and assisting in one of those liberal churches, and this particular uh, liberal clergyman walked up to me and he said, you evangelicals have a different trinity from ours. I said, oh, I never heard of that. I know Muslims have a different trinity because they think we believe that our trinity is father, mother, and son because Muhammad, who founded Islam, was walking around in Syria and he saw people bowing to Mary. He said, ah, that's what, that must be the trinity that the Christians talk about. That's a confused picture. But I said to him, I said, what, what are you talking about? He said, your trinity is father, son, and holy scripture. No matter how much I tried to explain to him, how the Holy Spirit authored, that He was behind all of the writers of the Scripture. But I must confess, I failed miserably. Beloved, I'm going to tell you something that is common to all of us. May not be to the little ones, but it's common to all of us. You cannot tell me that you are in love with someone and you never open the letter that that beloved sends to you. You cannot claim that you love someone, and when you receive a letter from that loved one, you leave it unopened. Why? Because an open letter means this person, whom you love, is speaking to you. But by the same token, an unopened letter means that you do not want to know or hear from that person. And when God speaks, He reveals Himself to us in His Word. And He's telling us some things, telling us what? He's telling us not only the truth about Himself, but He's telling us the truth about us. Hello. And I wonder, now I'm going to speculate a lot today, so forgive me ahead of time. I wonder Probably, is that why all statistics show that less than 18% of the Christians read the Bible on a regular basis? They don't want to face the truth about themselves. I just wonder. I'm just wondering. In a moment, we're going to stand and read the Word of God but I want you to prepare by getting it out in your iPad or iPhone or whatever it is. It's going to be on the screen, but if you don't have either one of those instruments and you want the pew pew Bible in front of you, you just turn to page 1,866. Hebrews 4, verses 12 and 13. Now, would you stand with me as we read the Word of God together? I'm going to only read the first sentence, then I'm going to let you read it because I love to hear your voices reading the Word of God. For the Word of God is living and active… Be seated, please. The question is this. Why is the Word of God described as double-edged sword? I believe with all my heart, again, one of those things, just take it or leave it, (laughs) that had the Bible writers a writing today, they would have said... The Word of God is sharper than a surgeon's scuple. I believe that. Beloved, when your body needs a surgery, the scupper is your best friend. It really is. I'm going to come back to that in in a moment because it's a very important part of this passage. But the writer to the Hebrews said that the Word of God is alive." Well, what does that mean? You know, sometimes I chuckle when somebody said, "The spirit of God is alive and well." I said, "Really? <laughs> what else will he be?" <laughs> I never know the spirit of God will be dead. Of course he's alive. Of course he's alive. The Word of God is alive. What does that mean? It means this. Listen carefully. It means it's not merely words on paper. That these words of God have God's authority in them. That these words have God's power in them. That these words have God's strength in them. That these words have God's command in them. That these words have God's will in them. That is why it is alive. So, what does it mean to be active? Listen carefully. It means that it produces results that it bears fruit. It produces results. Um, it can change lives. Listen to what Peter said. In First Peter chapter 1, verse 23, we are born again by the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. Therefore, when the Word of God acts God acts. When the Word of God delivers, God delivers. When the Word of God heals, God heals. And that is why I want to come very quickly to three things that I want to share with you from those two verses, Hebrews 4, 12, and 13. As those of you who have been coming here for a long time, you know, i give you this short introduction, then I get to the sermon. By the way, those three points are going to be very short, so don't panic. Because what the author here, through the power of the Holy Spirit who inspired him to write is saying that when you read and heed and obey the Word of God, three things are going to happen. You're going to find that that Word of God stretches you on the surgeon's table, and secondly, that Word of God is going to operate on you and cut out all of the things that don't belong there. And thirdly, thank God, thank God, it sews you back up and heals you completely and restore you fully. Can you say praise God? Praise God. First, the Word of God stretches you on God's operating table. Now let me... Speculate again. I told you I'm going to do that probably a couple of times. I don't do this as often as I'm going to do today, because it's very important. If the Word of God takes you and stretches you before the surgeons, the great surgeon, Yahweh Rafi, stretches you right in front of him, could that be one of the reasons why very few people, very few Christians actually read the Word of God regularly. They don't want to go through surgery. <laughs> they don't want to get on God's operating table. Now, I am told, I don't have any first-hand personal experience with physical surgeries, thank God, but I am told by doctors and surgeons and people who really know their stuff, is that when you are on the operating table, this is for physical operating table, I know the spiritual one, I'm going to tell you about it. I have first-hand experience with that. <laughs> but I'm told that when you are on the, uh, physically on the operating table, that time the person on that table is most susceptible to all sorts of microbes and germs. Why do you think this scrub so much? <laughs> I mean, they'll scrub their hands bare. Now, I know that to be true in the spiritual realm. (laughs) I've experienced that on a regular basis. When I open the Word of God, Satan and the flesh work over time to neutralize the impact of the Word of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. Well, some of you know it. Some of you haven't gone there yet. (laughs) The first thing they try to do is to keep you away from the Word of God. That's why 82%, 80, 80 whatever it is, percentage is, don't, you know, don't read the Bible. That's what they try. Keep you away from the Word. If they fail to keep you away from the Word of God and you, by God's power and strength, you make a decision that you will read, heed, and obey the Word of God, if they fail to keep you away, they will distract you. <laughs> Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, all of a sudden, you think of things that you never thought about for years you needed to do. Oh, all of a sudden, you start thinking of, you know, what, you can, what needs to be done. I know I left, I left the stove on, or, I, you know, something happened. They distract you. If that does not work, what they do, they bring doubt to your mind as to the authenticity of the Word of God they bring that in order to neutralize the impact of that Word, the power of that Word working in you. The surgery that only God's Word can accomplish is what the devil tried to keep you away from, and if he cannot keep you away from it, he neutralizes you. Why? Because when you are on God's operating table… It is the time when you are wide open. Everything is bare before Him. Nothing is hidden from His sight. Look at verse 13, Hebrews 4. The Word of God probably I can would say this, again, it's an improvisation on my part, is like an x-ray machine. <laughs> it reveals who you are and it separates reality from fiction. You say, well, how does this work in my life? Oh, I'm glad you asked. I want to tell you. I want to tell you a firsthand experience. <laughs> Listen to me. You can go along in life for a long time pretending that you are just fine. Everything is just fine. Everything is great. You and I can go along life's highway for a long time thinking, oh, we're healthy. I don't have anything wrong with me. I'm fine. Look at all these people. I'm just fine. I'm healthy. I'm not suffering from any symptoms that will make me worry about my health. I mean, why, why, why worry? Life is just dandy for me. But when you go to the doctor... And he looks at the results and looks at the x ray, and he would say, We need to operate immediately. How does this work? Well, when you compare yourself with others, there's somebody else who's in worse shape than you are, and say, Man, I'm fine. You look at somebody who is struggling in certain areas of their lives that you don't struggle with, and you say, oh, I'm, I'm really much better than they are. Or you compare yourself with somebody who has more issues at dealing with than you do, and you say to yourself, I, I am super-duper. I am really the best thing since sliced bread. I don't know why people say that. I just said it. I don't need bread even. <laughs> I must be God's gift to humanity. What a, God is lucky to have me. Isn't it wonderful that he's got a wonderful person like me? Hmm. I can only tell you my testimony. Because in the early hours of every morning, when I have that x-ray machine on my lap, And I'm reading the Word of God, praying ahead of time for the Spirit of God to open my eyes and empower me and help me to listen, whether it's be rebuke or encouragement. When everything is bare before Him who can see all things, when nothing is hidden from His eyes, when hidden issues in my life become wide open before Him, When things I don't want to deal with confront me head on. When pride and smugness and self-satisfaction hit me in the face. When God's x-ray machine confronts me with His standards, not others. When doors I have sought to keep bolted for a long time. Bust open. When I'm being laid bare before his eyes, I am often forced to conclude, listen to me, I'm often forced to conclude with the Apostle Paul, nothing good dwells in me, in my flesh. I'm forced to conclude that the only good thing about Michael Youssef is Jesus. Jesus. This is not false humility. This is just the truth. And so the Word of God stretches us on God's operating table, and that's why we we don't do it. And secondly, the Word of God cuts us like a surgeon's cobble. It cuts us where we need to be cut. And my beloved, beloved, beloved friends, As your pastor, I tell you, this is the double-edged sword. The Greek word for sharper means to cut or to dissect with precision. This is not just waving that knife everywhere. No, no, no. He pointed that scuffle on the area that needs to be pointed to. What does it mean, divide spirit and soul and marrow and joints? It doesn't mean separation. Listen carefully, please. This is very important. As a matter of fact, in the human body, joints and marrow are not in contact. So you say, how they're separated, I want you to listen carefully. (laughs) Here's what it means. The Word of God cuts through to the bones. That's what it means. (laughs) The Word of God penetrates so deep into the recesses of your spiritual being. And so the separation is not dividing (coughs) one from the other, but it means to penetrate every single cell in your spiritual nature. It means the Word of God stops at nothing until it brings it out in the open and deals with it. Now, my precious friends, take it from me. When you're lying on the table of the great surgeon, on his operating table, You're lying on this operating table of Chief Surgeon Jesus. There can be no pretense. There can be no pretense in any area. Now you understand why the world, the flesh, and the devil conspire, collude, To stop 82% of Christians from reading the Word of God regularly. But there's more. There's more. The Bible said that the Word of God judges not only our thoughts, listen carefully, not only our thoughts, but our motives. Some translations said attitude. It's the motives. The Word of God not only judges our activities, but even the hidden motives behind these activities, the secret motives, the real reason for saying and doing what we say and do. Beloved, listen to me. I told the congregation on Wednesday night, I said, I, only, I, I hate talking about myself, but only if it brings glory to God and, and shame to me. I can tell you this. Absolutely, with my heart wide open, There are times when I sense that I have a mixed motive and the many times I'll pray and I'll fast and examine my heart, examine myself. And and then when I'm I'm still got, uh, have convoluted uh, mixed motive and I'll cry out to God. I said, sanctify my motives. You know, there are so many lies that our culture disseminate in schools, in the media, everywhere. So many lies, but one of the biggest lies, the big kahuna of them all, is this. Do what you feel is right. Hello? I want to say, give me a break. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Feelings are so subjective, and they cannot be totally reliable. And that is why the Word of God is the only power that sorts things out. This is right, this is wrong, this is of the flesh, this is of the Spirit. Let me just give you an example. When you're driving alone in your car down the highway and someone cut in front of you, And you react the way you react. It's between you and God because you're alone in the car, right? That some people use sign language, or retaliate, or whatever. And then you get on God's operating table. The X-ray machine is open, and there you're confronted. What does God's word do? It judges your reaction to that motorist. Now I need to move on because I'm getting under conviction now. (laughs) Some years ago, somebody asked me the question. He said, why do you have all these accountability things, accountability about your finances and accountability with your prayer partners and pastors about your personal life and and accountability about your time and where you are and so forth? I said, he said, you don't trust yourself. I said, Bingo. Now, I've never played bingo in my life. I don't even know how, but I just heard the term, right? (laughs) That's all I know about it. Now, you got that right. I don't trust myself. Here's a fact, my beloved, beloved, beloved congregation, listen to me. (laughs) You and I are experts in self deception You and I are experts in rationalization. You and I are experts in deluding ourselves. You and I are experts in trying to project an image of ourselves that we want others to see, believe about us, and sometimes we even try to believe it ourselves. I used to have a professor at graduate school, a wonderful gentleman who came from Yale, a brilliant historian. I know Dr. McGovern, and he used to say to us in graduate school, where most of us were ordained and in ministry, and he would say, "You know, publicity is OK as long as you don't inhale it." <laughs> I've not been inhaling ever since. <laughs> Aren't you think with me? Okay, so just think with me, okay. Why we think the way we think? Why do we spend our money the way we spend our money? Why do we read the material that we read? Why do we see the things that we see? And on and on and on and on. And the Word of God penetrates deep beyond all of these security systems that we have set up for ourselves that get straight into the vault. And you have one, I have one. He goes to the vault. There, the Word of God begins to sort out which is real, which is fiction. Jeremiah cries out and said, Oh, Lord, the heart is deceitful above all things corrupt. Beloved, what we cannot do, the Word of God does for us. What we cannot do, the Word of God does. So the Word of God stretches you and... God's operating table. The words of God is like a surgeon's couple and cuts where it needs to be cut, remove what needs to be removed. But thank God. Can you say thank God? Thank God. Now, come on now, give me a break. Can you say it again? Thank God. God bless you. I know this is not an easy word. I know that. It's hard on me. Are you kidding? I'm made of flesh and blood, and I'm preparing this stuff, and God is doing business with me. <laughs> so I know that. I know it's a hard word. But I can tell you, had we s- started with putting it on the operating table and removing what needs to be removed and stopped there, that would be a disaster. <laughs> it really is. It would be like a surgeon who <laughs> scrubs and he cuts removes, and then before he could saw the patient back again, he says, hey, I'm going to lunch. Bye. (laughs) But thank God. Thank God. In fact, I read recently about this surgeon who's invited into a neighborhood party and. The host was one of those people that always shoots through his mouth. You know what I'm talking about? He's got kind of big blubber mouth. And, and he was kind of carving the meat. And he said, How am I doing, Doc? And uh, would you like my technique, Doc? And uh, d- 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 he said, Would I make a good surgeon, Doc? And the man kept quiet, kept quiet. Finally, when he stopped shooting through his mouth, the, the doctor said, Anyone can cut them open, hurry. But let's see if you can put it back together again. See, that's what a great surgeon does. Jehovah Raphae, he's a great surgeon. He's a great physician. He cuts and removes the bad stuff, and then he puts that person back together again for complete healing. See, the longing of the Word of God is to heal us, not to wound us. If we do get hurt in the process, it's for our good and for our healing. Listen, I know by nature we like to run away from people who know so much about us. I know that. Even if people try to run away from God because they think He knows too much about them. You know, ridiculous. When I think about it, I always said my, to my family, I said it's too late for me. When my kids become old and grown and were traveling, they went to Egypt and they found out from my older siblings things that I wish they kept their mouth shut about. <laughs> In fact, one of my children said, oh, Dad, we were never as bad as you were. <laughs> too late. But we always like to run away from people who know, know us too much or know too much about us. But God knows Everything that is to be known about you, and he still loves you. Nowhere to hide from his eye. Please hear me right. When you get to this thought that you keep in your heart, when you really grasp. That God knows what nobody else knows. When you understand that God only removes and wants to remove the bad stuff and then bring you healing, not partial healing, but complete healing. Once you know that our God is the God who heals us, who restores us, who fulfills us, who blesses us, who enriches us, who strengthens us, and yes, He forgives us. Once you understand that, He wants to pour out more grace, more grace. You'll walk out of your presence with God on cloud nine. And that is why Hebrew 4.16, listen carefully. It tells us, let us therefore, after what we just heard, he said, let us therefore approach the throne of grace with confidence, not cockiness, with confidence, not in us, but in Him, in His mercy and in His grace, so that, he, that we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of needs. My, my beloved friends, when the Word of God reigns supreme in our lives, when, when we allow the Word of God to rule our lives, we will always experience peace in His presence, always. It never fails. Why? Because the Word of God has the same characteristic as God. Did you know that? When you go home, read Psalm 19. Read Psalm 19. You'll you'll see the same characteristics of the Word of God as God himself, perfection, faithfulness, righteousness, purity, and truth. Please listen. I'm coming close to the end now. It is the longing of my heart. I know it's the longing of all my colleagues and pastors' heart, and it's the longing of so many people in this church that this 2020 vision— while belonging to Jesus and belonging to one another, that we, the entire membership of this church, begin to drink deeply on a daily basis from the Word of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so as we prepare to come to the Lord's table, let this be the decision of your will, not your emotions, but your will, that I will read, heed, and obey the Word of God. Father, we thank You that You have in the past, in the present, and will in the future. Have our best interest at heart. The lie of the devil is that you want to hurt us. Father, Father, I pray that you neutralize this lie from the pit of hell. We trust you with all of our hearts, and we trust your words as your full expression of yourself. Speak to our hearts, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. You can stand and bless the Lord in a song.